<clears throat> this morning, I want to begin uh, a series through the book of 1 Timothy. So, if you have your Bible, open that, please, to 1 Timothy. There are three epistles, well, take that back. There are three individuals in the New Testament to which a personal letter was addressed to. And in this case, we're not counting the Gospel of Luke or the Book of Acts. So, who can name the other two besides Timothy that had a letter written to them that's in the New Testament? Okay, Philemon. Who can give me the other one? Yes, Daniel. <laughs> What's your brother's name? <laughs> Titus. Okay. And these epistles were all written by Paul to Timothy, Titus, and, and to Philemon. We're going to look at, at Timothy this morning, and we want to, to find out who this guy was. Who was Timothy? So, as you open uh, the letter to 1 Timothy, chapter 1, Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Anybody here have a middle name of Timothy? Any Timothys here? No Timothys? Boy, that's surprising. That's a very popular Bible name. Okay. Paul had a very close relationship with Timothy. More than any other individual who uh, was associated with Paul. Uh, only Luke, perhaps, could come close, but Paul describes his relationship with Timothy as more of a father-son type relationship. And we're going to find out why that is as we, uh, as we study this man, Timothy, in the New Testament. But Paul had a very special relationship with him. So he refers to him as my true child in the faith, if you uh, look down to verse 18, he says, he addresses him as Timothy, my son. They were, they were very close. And you see other ascriptions to that uh, throughout the book of, of 1 Timothy. Take a look in, in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. He's, he says to Timothy, and a very, very personally, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So this tells you why he's writing to Timothy. He says, I want to tell you how you ought to conduct yourself in the, in the church. And he's going to address that to some specifics. And there are probably none of us that would like the job that, that he gave Timothy. And we'll, we'll see that in a little bit. But Timothy was up for it. In chapter 4, 
You see more uh, instructions to, to Timothy, beginning at verse 6, to develop godly disciplines in his life. In uh, chapter, well, in, cha- in verse 12 of chapter 4, he says, Don't let anyone look down on your youthfulness. So Timothy was, was a young man, as Paul writes to him. Uh, but um, frankly, most of the people in this room would be younger. Almost everybody in this room would be younger than Timothy when this letter was addressed to him. In chapter 6, he says to him in verse 11, Flee from these things, you men of God. Now, how about that? Those of you who have, have dads who are believers, has have your dad ever referred to you and blessed you in some sense by describing you as a man of God. Would that not be a special thing to hear? And I think Timothy certainly would have thought so. Flee from these things. He's going to, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And he's, he's warning him about some things in this letter, and so he's telling him to be careful. Boy, he needed, he needed the help here. In verses 20, and 21, he ends this letter in this way. Oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly chatter and the opposing arguments, which is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. And I want to especially emphasize that last phrase. Grace be with you. Boy, he needed it for what he was about to do. If you uh, keep going ahead there to the second letter, which uh, is going to be a while before we ever get to that, but in verse 1, he also refers to him as, uh, in verse 2, excuse me, uh, my beloved son. And in chapter 4, he says this to him, Be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So, he's telling Timothy, things are going to be tough, but do not give up. And and verse 9, he says to him, make every effort to come to me soon. And when he wrote this second letter to him, it was shortly before his execution. So let's go back to the beginning of Paul's association with Timothy and and, uh, as we explore who this man was that he's writing to. So you can uh, go leave your marker there and and go to the book of Acts. And we'll begin in chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. So, you remember Paul and Barnabas went out on the first missionary journey. Uh, The gospel went from Jerusalem to the Samaritans, which were a mixed, mixed breed, mixed race of people. Then it, it went from there 
to Antioch. And the gospel went to Antioch because of the persecution led by somebody named Saul of Tarsus. Okay? But God confronted him. He got saved. And after some time, he was, the apostles in Jerusalem said, you need to get out of town because you're causing too much trouble. You're a lightning rod. You're going you're to cause trouble for us. So they sent him away to his home territory of Tarsus. And the great apostle disappears from view for at least nine years. We don't know what, where, what he was doing there. But when the gospel has proceeded to the Gentiles in Antioch, and they're getting saved, and the people in Jerusalem are hearing about this, is we got to check this out. They send Barnabas to, to Antioch, and he, he finds that the gospel has indeed been received by the Gentiles, the same as them, and people are getting saved, and he says, I need some help here. And he knew where Saul was. So he went to Tarsus, got him, brought him back, and they taught the new believers in Antioch. And then the Spirit of God said, send these two men out to the work that I called them to do. Now, if you know anything about the conversion of Saul, when this happened, God told a man named Ananias, he said, he is a chosen vessel of mine, and I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So, what a calling. Uh, none of you ever thought of that when you trusted in Christ. I am embracing a a, a Lord and Master who, who to follow him is going to involve suffering. But that's, that's what it was. And he says that that is, to a great extent, common to all believers. We shall indeed face persecution. So, after, so Paul went out on his first missionary journey with Barnabas. You remember Barnabas' relative, maybe a nephew or a cousin named John Mark was with him, but John Mark couldn't handle it. This, this is too dangerous a work, and he went back home to his parents. Uh, he was probably a young man, you know, early 20s, maybe like some of you guys in the back row, okay? But he couldn't handle it. This, this is dangerous. So he, so he left. And you know, so now we get to 16 and, and, uh, and the second missionary journey is, is, has begun and Paul and Barnabas had this argument because Barnabas said, let's take John Mark with us again. Let's give him a second chance. And Paul said, no way. We got to have people we can count on. We got to have people we can depend on. And which one of us doesn't relate to that? We, we love people in our life that are dependable, who keep their word, who can handle the work. Uh, we don't like people who don't show up, who slack off, or things like that. Well, Paul didn't want to take them. They, their argument was so strong that they split up. And Paul chose Silas and went out on his next journey. And the first thing he's going to do is visit the places he went to the first time. And so in Acts chapter 16, Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. 
And so Derby and Lystra are some of the places that he preached the gospel the first time, and, and Timothy got saved on that first missionary journey. Now, it, we, we learned this about Timothy, that his mother was, was a Jew who was a believer, meaning she was a believer in the, in the, the law of God, and, and following the, the tenets of Judaism, and teaching that to her son Timothy. But she was married to a Gentile who, the implication here is, was not a believer. So Timothy already knew the Old Testament scriptures. He was taught that in his home, but he did not have the example of a father showing him how to live the life of faith. And it's very important. His uh, mother was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And now the gospel came there. He, now he's believed in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's, he's been saved. And it says that he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. So though a young man at this point, when he gets saved, early 20s, he's, he's made an impression on even the older believers with his, uh, his faithfulness and, and growth in the things of the Lord. So he had a good reputation there. In, uh, we, we roll ahead to chapter 17, and so Paul and Silas and Timothy and probably Luke and, and uh, who knows, some others that he has not named for us are traveling with him. And in verse, in chapter 17 of Acts, they've, tra they've traveled, uh, to Thessalonica, and then he began to preach there in the synagogue of the Jews. And some people got saved, and Paul got run out of town by the, the opposition, the Jewish opposition. But Timothy was left behind. Along, and you see this in verse 14 and 15. So the brethren, so, sent Paul out to go as far as the sea, and Silas and Timothy remained there. So, now those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens and received a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, and they left. So, I think there's maybe only two people in this room who've ever been to Athens. Uh, recently, too, as a matter of fact. But, um, Paul didn't have a good time there. He did do some preaching. You can read about that yourself. A few people got saved, but this is the one place where he never established a church. And it was also the only place we know of in all of his travels as, as the gospel preaching apostle where he was there alone without his associates. So, Timothy and Silas have remained behind to teach the new believers. Timothy was a man who was uh, really showing himself to be faithful and dependable. In chapter 18, now remember he said, tell Silas and Timothy to join me as soon as possible. So in chapter 18, in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word and solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Now, before they came, he had met a couple of 
fellow Jews who had been kicked out of Rome named Priscilla and Aquila, and uh, they had a common trade that they practiced, the manufacture of, of tents, and so he worked with them. They were also believers, and so he, he uh, worked with them. But when Silas and Timothy came, then he began uh, to, to leave uh, all of that aside and to preach the gospel full time. Now, in, as we move on later into the, the chapter 18, Paul comes to uh, Ephesus. And that is where Timothy is at when he writes in this letter. So, uh, so in Acts 18, 19, and 21, for example, Paul remained men, there many days longer and took leave of the brethren, put out to sea, and with him were Priscilla and Aquila. And uh, he came to Ephesus in verse 19, and he left his friends there. Now he entered the synagogue and began to preach to the Jews. Okay. Uh, and they asked him to stay longer, but he didn't want to do it at this time. Verse 21, he took his leave and said, I'll come back if I can. And he set out from Ephesus. Now, in the third missionary journey, beginning in chapter 19, Paul does come again to Ephesus. And he spends a good deal of time there. It may be that in, in Ephesus and in the church there, Paul spent more time there than in any other place in the ministry. Because on, on one of his stays there, it was over two years that he, he stayed there and taught uh, full time. In chapter 19, uh, for example, in verse 22, uh, it says, He sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, and he stayed for a while in Asia. So it was his practice to send out faithful, dependable brothers to other places to, to do the work that needed to be finished while he remained where he was and continued uh, uh, the work there. He also pra had the practice of, of, if he was the high-profile guy that was drawing all the opposition, he could leave town and things would quiet down and his associates, like Timothy, could be left behind to do the work. Now, I'd like you to consider something for a minute. Um, suppose that you are away from your home and there's something really important you need to do and you need to get something there or get access to something there or, or do some kind of work there. Who would you send to, to do your very important stuff that you cannot do? Now, to most of us, that would be a problem. We'd be concerned about, you know, how this is going to get done. But Timothy was the kind of man, he became the kind of man that Paul could trust to do the work, to do it right. And there were not very many uh, like that. In chapter 20, in verse 4, uh, now he's, uh, he's returning uh, through Macedonia, and he was accompanied by, and he names a number of brothers, uh, Sopater, Aristarchus, Secundus, 
Gaius and Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus. Now, one of the things that I observed early on in the book of Acts as a young Christian is that that Paul immediately uh, drew to him a team of workers. So the idea of the lone Christian going out to do something all by himself on, on some mission field is is not a concept that that Paul practiced. Matter of fact, like we said, the one time he was alone somewhere, he didn't get very much done. It was so Paul was a team builder and a team player and he organized he he drew to himself faithful brothers and sisters who would help in the work and that is the pattern that the scripture gives us for doing the work of the gospel on any mission field now if you are alone somewhere you still need to serve the Lord and do what you can but that should not be a path that we would choose if we have any alternative. But Paul drew to himself faithful brothers and sisters who would help in the work. Are we that kind of person? Are you that kind of person? A faithful brother or sister that can be counted on in uh, difficult times even. Now, in, uh, we'll, we'll leave Acts here for, well, let's look at one more passage here because it relates to 1 Timothy at the end of verse 20, or kind of in the middle there. Uh, verse 29 of Acts chapter 20. And Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. It has been prophesied to him that he is going to be arrested and great trouble awaits him. Um, the question has always come up, well, is God trying to tell him not to go, and in just stubbornness he went anyway? You know, I don't think so. I think God was preparing him for what was about to come. Because he was in, in immediate risk of his life on numerous occasions, and then he was in prison for two years, just going nowhere, all because a political official was hoping to get a bribe to turn him loose. And even while in prison, there were plots to kill him. So so the Lord is preparing him for what's about to happen. But in verse 29, he's at Ephesus, and and this is the last things he's got to say to them. And he says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Oh, there's some, there's some, I know that there's some, some bad times ahead here, um, and it really troubled him. And he says, and from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. See, and that is what is happening as he writes First Timothy. And so in those first verses of First Timothy chapter 1, he talks about those that are causing trouble in the church. And in this case, it was people from within the congregation who were teaching some wrong things. And so he had warned about that, too. He warned Timothy about that. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll, we'll move 
on in the New Testament, and, and we're moving back towards 1 Timothy. You want to turn the pages, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, let's look at verse 14. And he, the, the Corinthian church, more than, than any other in the New Testament, is one that had all kinds of problems, and some of them were really extreme. Now, the good thing about that record for us is many of the problems they have <laughs> show up today. And so now we, we can look at this and we know how to deal with them or how to respond to them. And, and so he's, he's dealing with some of these, these problems and he's just talked about divisions in, in the assembly. But in, in uh, chapter four, he, in, uh, Oh, verse uh, 14, he says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. Well, that's really something to say, isn't it? Now, He's the father to them in the gospel in the sense he's the one that brought the gospel to them by which they were saved. And certainly anyone, you know, would regard with great fondness the person who had such a wonderful influence in your life. And he says, be imitators of me. Do you have the kind of life that you could say that to your friends? Be like me as I follow Christ. Did you say that? That's where we want to be. In verse 17, though, he says, For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So he's sending Timothy to them. To, to remind them of things and to help them with the tremendous problems that they have. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Timothy is, is with Paul as he writes to them. Uh, in verse 19 of, of that first chapter of 2 Corinthians, Silas and Timothy are, are both with Paul and he mentions them. But let's go to uh, Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, and there's Timothy in the with Paul as he writes this letter, and he's, he's writing this letter from, uh, from prison in Rome, and he says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. Now, anyone who's read the New Testament is familiar with Paul describing himself as a bond servant or a bond slave of Jesus Christ. And here... Includes Timothy in the same category with him. In chapter two, uh, and and he's so he's writing from his imprisonment in Rome when this is taking place, and he's under house arrest uh, in a in a simple quarters, but people can come and visit him at any time. They can come and go. He cannot leave. So he would have been totally dependent upon them for food and water and clothing 
and paying his rent because he couldn't go out and he couldn't work. But he still got to pay his own way. But it's better in, than being in a dungeon. So this is good. So here he is in Rome and he writes to the Philippians and he's got some serious concerns about them. He's, uh, so in the opening of chapter 2, and this is a, a, a favorite and familiar text to many of us. He says, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, and intent on one purpose. Now you notice all of those things are the opposite of division, arguing, and things like that. But he says, if, and his expression here, if there is any in Christ, and the, and the, the implication here is, of course there is, so since this is true, do this, be like this, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Now how do you do that? Um, how do you do that in a family at home? How do you deal with divisions and conflicts and quarrels? And then in the larger family of God, how do you deal with that? Well, he answers that question. First, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Now, we know what selfishness is. Empty conceit, meaning wanted to, wanted to have, uh, wanted to be first, wanted to have it all, wanted to have the, the highest place, wanting to be regarded as the most important. So don't, don't do anything from those kind of motives, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Now, is that an easy thing to do? No, it isn't. Try it with your brother and sister at home. That's not an easy thing to do. Humility of mind granting preference to someone else. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So how, how are we going to have this, this unity of the spirit? Well, this is how. This is how. Don't look up only for your own personal interest. Now, we all have to take care of our own business. It's true. But we cannot just be looking on our own things, nose to the grindstone, and not notice, care for other people. And, of course, you know what, what comes next there. He says, have this attitude in you that was in Christ Jesus. So the perfect example of one who didn't look out for his own interests, but for someone else's, namely yours and mine, was the Lord Jesus. When he came from heaven to be our Savior. And so he talks about that. But this concept of looking out for your own personal interests and not 
the interests of others, comes up again in the, in the chapter. In verse 19, he says to them, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. So, uh, at the time he writes this, Timothy is with him, and he'd really like him to stay. (laughs) Because uh, Timothy is such an encouragement and a blessing to him, but I need to know how you're doing out there. I need to know what's happening with you. And the only person available to me to send to you is Timothy. Now, things were going quite well in the church in Rome at the time. This was a time when when there was no great persecution going on. There is going to be some coming up ahead of this. So that they were doing well. And there were a number of brothers there in the church in Rome who were perfectly capable of going to to Philippi and helping the church out. But he says, I I don't have anybody but Timothy. Verse 21, look at that. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. So they just weren't available. They just weren't available. So you look back to chapter 1. Do not merely look out for your own interests, your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That's what he, that's where he was going with that. So as a, as a Christian, as one who has been uh, forgiven of all of our sin and given eternal life based upon the work that Christ done, the sacrifice that he made for us, uh, he says to the to the, the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, then we must live our life for the one who gave himself for us. So we've got to be available to Jesus Christ to look at the interests of others. We all need to take a personal inventory of our lives on a, on a regular basis from time to time. Uh, And there may be uh, natural occasions where you can get in the practice of doing that. Uh, On our wedding anniversary, Brenda and I would usually, uh, I remember those early years, we'd be out at a restaurant somewhere, give you an anniversary card, flowers. But we'd be there with a calendar and a notebook. And we'd look back over this last year and how it went, (laughs) good and bad. And we look ahead to the next year. We talk about things maybe we need to do and uh, and so forth. Then so oftentimes, maybe you do this, at the beginning of a new year in January, you kind of remembering all the things that have just gone before you in the past year, but you're looking ahead to what's coming up in this year and you're maybe making some plans to do some things. We do that. Uh, it it is
often a time to, to reset and to realize, you know, last January we noticed this and we said this and we planned to do this. You know what? Haven't done very well. Uh, we started off, but then we kind of lost it and didn't carry through. We've had we've had times like that. We've we've had times in this calendar year. We're going to do this with regard to the assembly, wherever we were living at the time. And uh, you know, well, we got some of that done, but we 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 didn't do so well as we hoped. You need to take a personal inventory of your life from time to time in order to keep on track. Another church that Paul was especially fond of was the believers at uh, Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians, he's writing to them, uh, he said, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, God's fellow worker in the gospel, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, and, and so forth. Uh, for this reason, again in verse 5, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith. For fear the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would have been in vain. For what thanks, he says in verse 9, can we render to God for you in return for all the joy which we rejoice before our God on your account, as we might night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. And so Timothy was one whom he would send to them in order to do that. And again, there he is. And when he wrote that second epistle to them, Timothy and Silas are with him. Uh, and, and Timothy is with him when he writes that short letter to Philemon. But one more, one more passage of Timothy, and maybe this is one you wouldn't think of. This is in the book of Hebrews. Yep, Timothy is there too. The last chapter, Hebrews chapter 13. In those closing verses, beginning at verse 20, there's a, a prayer of benediction that Paul says for them. And he says then in verse 22, But I urge you, brethren... Bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Take notice that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom, if he comes soon, I will see you. So, Timothy, and now, who wrote the book of Hebrews? The opening chapter doesn't say. For the first 1900 years of church history, the common consensus was there was Paul. Uh, and that could very well be. And here is Timothy, his his uh, dear associate that is mentioned here uh, in Hebrews as well. So we come back then to First Timothy.
and he writes to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia to remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. So, the book of Acts takes us right up to Paul's imprisonment in Rome. And, and this letter is coming after that. So Paul is imprisoned in Rome for two years, then he's released. And it's after that, that as he circulates back through the churches that he had established, that he writes this letter to Timothy, who he has left in Ephesus. And notice what he's left him there to do. You got some really big problems there. I'm leaving you behind to straighten this out. How would you would you like a job like that? <laughs> I don't think so, boy. But uh, that was it, and we'll hear more about that as we go on into the uh, letter of First Timothy. But as we close, I want to just ask ourselves what what application, what lesson can we take from this man Timothy? Well, we've, we've, we've asked some questions like, are we dependable before the Lord? Are we faithful? Is there anyone that would say of us, you can count on that person? Do we work together with other believers? Teamwork. And like Timothy, do we look upon the interests of others, not only our own interests? May it be so of us. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the example that Timothy was and for what we can learn from him in, in the scriptures. Lord, may we be believers like that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.